Welcome to Built to Scale e-commerce show with Darius and Justin, your backstage pass to the eight and nine figure e-commerce world. Hey guys, welcome to Build to Scale e-commerce show with Hacking's Agency. And honestly, today we are having a pretty interesting interview. Today it will be me and my business partner, Justin, talking about our understandings, learnings, failures of the last year of 2020. So Justin, super excited to have you here and finally get to chat with you on the podcast. It's been a long time. We chat almost every day, but not that much on a podcast or elsewhere where we share our findings and so on with other people. So I guess it will be a pretty interesting talk today. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we spent almost like two weeks analyzing, you know, the last year and just diving deep in what worked, what didn't. And, you know, I think it's a shame for all of our failures and mistakes, you know, to go noticed because it's certainly a good learning opportunity for everybody. So how we'll be splitting today's interview or episode, however you want to call it. One part will be talking more about our performance findings and then going a little bit more into like business development, essentially, you know, what helped us to achieve quite a bit of our breakthroughs. So in general, like last year, I mean, was pretty good for us. We grew like revenue-wise about 4x, Concerning like team growth, we grew 2x. And honestly, what's fun is we worked only with like nine clients, right? And we hit about $18 million in ad spend in the last year for these clients. So overall doing pretty good. Yeah, I would add like a few things, even though we kind of ended with nine or 10 clients at the end of the year, we definitely had quite a bit of experience with other guys. I think last year was different the year in general. There's a lot of things happened, starting with the pandemic, then like elections and different things happening in the world. So for some businesses, it's been a pretty disruptive year, meaning On both sides, for some businesses, it's been like really good. For others, it's been pretty challenging. And uh, we have seen different situations where businesses gone through the pandemic and actually grew really fast. And others actually struggled quite a lot just because uh, even though in general, I think e-commerce grew extensively and grew quite extensively last year. But I was uh, chatting, I think, with someone a few weeks back. And I said, yes, online businesses are growing. However, it's only what we see on a front end. But what's happened in the back end, what's usually a logistical issues that most of the businesses experience, it was one of the main determining factors uh, why some of the businesses actually had a very, very difficult year, even though they could have grown. But the issue was with the back end operations, launching new products, making sure that they are fulfilling the orders and so on. So I think we could have ended with more clients as well, but some of the things were not in control as well. We tried to support as much as possible sometimes, but there's quite a number of things happening in the back end. That's why we are here as well to discuss those things So and share those learnings for the next year in case anything similar happens so other people could be prepared for that as well. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like last year was fun in its own way, right? So certainly, you know, some clients, you know, we lost a few clients due to struggles in general, you know, and mainly I think it was due to the problems with fulfillment process due to COVID. But at the same time, you know, some businesses just grew skyrocketed. Like we scaled, I think, one business from half a mil to 26 million in one year working with us. So we became like one of the fastest US growing businesses. And like the main reason was, of course, because like a business owner was heavy enough and we were able to like pump up the ad spends and, you know, run omnichannel marketing strategies. But at the same time, you know, we were like fulfilling from US. 
And this is kind of like a key element that I'm seeing often in businesses that are successful and we are able, you know, to grow fast is that their main fulfillment and manufacturing facilities are in the U.S. at the start. This means, you know, we save time on lead times and in general manufacturing ensure higher quality at the start. And then, you know, when we grow up, we can start optimizing the cost and go to China and third world countries for manufacturing in general. So that's, I think, you know, very good insight that I personally took from the last year. I would add a little bit on that point because quite often I discuss this with clients during the first interactions, during the sales calls and so on. We have clients which both fulfill locally and, you know, from China, for instance. So we see different situations, not only talking about last year, but as well, you know, looking back in the last three years, for instance. A clear thing, and it's distinguished between Europe and US, to be honest, uh, quite a lot of people are often want to focus on Europe if they're coming from Europe and they actually want to postpone expansion to US for later. Because, of course, overseas and as well, there is a lot of unknowns and logistical things as well. Usually it's way more costly. However, what we have seen in general, I guess it's what we clearly seen during pandemic. If in US you can localize and you can still have a good profit margins or so, it's great. It cannot think of anything better than that than just getting products from China or so. But US is usually, you know, more expensive. However, as I'm always saying, it is expensive. But the sky is the limit. Once you figured out what's working and if you can fulfill in the back end your products, what happened with this client, they pretty much had a huge number of orders that they could fulfill per day. That's why they were able to grow. However, if they would be shipping products from China or so, it never could have happened. So it's an interesting situation in general with US. It's you know one country, everyone are familiar with the payment providers and so on. While in Europe, we are discovering there's a lot of localization happening, should happen. Each country has its own language, culture, differences, different payment providers, what people are used to and, and so on. So it's a little bit another topic, but I guess it's definitely adding up to what we have discovered last year as well. It just proving the point that we have seen that a few times. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, when I was like thinking about last year, what allowed us to drive these results. When I was looking back through all clients, honestly, majority of them grew like at least 3x. So this was like really great to see that, especially during Black Friday and quarter four, you know, everybody was killing it. And what was like amazing to me that everything was relatively clear and we didn't have like huge mishaps how it was you know like a year before and i know like a lot of our people you know that black friday is like the toughest period for them for us it was relatively smooth like and simple and i do attribute a lot of it honestly to team culture and the right preparations I kind of like, I'm a huge believer. Like at the start, you know, I never really saw huge benefits of team culture. It seemed like a little bit like mumbo jumbo. But now when I'm taking a look back, the vows that we instilled in people and how we hired people, etc., we just started to stack up where, you know, the, basically the team and our seniors are able to drive projects on themselves. They do not even need my intervention. They were able to solve problems. They were able to grow clients and experiment in new things. And honestly, often, you know, I'm amazed with the ideas we come there. So yeah, it's kind of my personal learning that, you know, you need to trust in team culture and invest in it a lot, especially for performance reasons. 
I would say if we cover up like the first points, you know, about the last year before moving to specific learnings, you know, in the performance part or like in business in general, on that point, you know, if you remember some highlights of the, the last year and some comments from people, the whole year started for us when we invested quite a bit of efforts and resources on gathering all the team to Bali and flying everyone there to do the whole planning, meet each other and so on. And pretty much if we would see the main highlights, we gather valuation forms and feedback forms every quarter from people. So I remember like the first quarter highlight was team retreat, but later on, you know, the whole pandemic started. However, each time people were like mentioning we needed a retreat to meet somewhere or something like that. It was always in their mind or so, but we couldn't. Therefore, if we would look back what happened, you know, last year, our goal is to meet with the team at least once or twice a year. We couldn't do that. Hopefully this year will be better, but we needed to adapt as well. And if we look back to what happened last year and what we're like wins in general, I would say we focus quite a lot on making Fridays fun activities before we just had some kind of reporting meetings with the team or so. So it was fine, but at the same time, it wasn't anything exciting. And when you work remotely, I guess, you want to be somehow related to your colleagues and so on. So now every second Friday, you know, we're having some kind of longer meetings. So some kind of quizzes, playing some games like a Jackbox or something like that, doing some case studies or something like that, where other people, you know, murder case study that we did as well. You know, if we look back to Black Friday in general, I'm more like working with the back end and Darius is working with the front end, which is performance team. However, I was a huge advocate, you know, let's just gather during that time and just be on the Zoom call or something like that. And let's order some kind of a pizzas or something like that, even though we could do a great job individually. But I think just... Being on a call, having some fun at the same time, discussing and geeking out about, you know, advertising and Black Friday is just a separate thing, you know, that advertisers, I guess, in general performance people like doing. So, yeah, I would say this this was a pretty nice win in general for the team. Yeah, like personally, I honestly like really enjoyed like pizza night. This is how I like to call it because yeah, it was like I think like 12 p.m. for some people. It might have already been, you know, after the midnight and we were just having like, you know, a call, literally like some like gift coupons to everybody to order some pizza or like food, whatever we love. And literally, you know, hopped on the call and just discussed or chatted for like a two hours, something like this, you know, just about random topics about Black Friday, just basically having fun. And it's fun because at that time we actually hired like one new senior and he did have quite a bit of like extensive different agencies experience before and one comment from him really stuck to me that it was like first time he was having so much fun during Black Friday and I think that's important people need to be having fun in their work and environment and this is how we perform better right we need to first of all be A-level performance, right? But then they need to have fun and they need to relate with other people. And this is what we were, what Justin was mentioning with games. And we even like solved like murder mysteries where we got like some additional facilitators to kind of guide our team through murder mystery solving cases. And it was just fun experience in general. To be honest, I always see it and just the last thought about it, even during the, the sales calls, we not only talk about performance, improvements and so on. I think what's really important and what that was like one of the reasons why we started the whole agency, 
how I see it as well, personally, that still, firstly, your team needs to enjoy it and be involved as much as possible in the work that you do. Because if your team is not interested and they're not really a fans of what they do in your kind of agency or like your business, then anyone whom they serve, like either in the B2C or B2B, uh, they won't be able to bring as good as the results. So they firstly need to be motivated to do the, the work. And then the more motivated they are, the better results they will achieve and do for your clients and so on. So you cannot force people to do the good work. They need to have the right intention for that as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And one of the things that they notice, you know, talking about like ad managers, like seniors, especially, you know, there are like specific types of clients and there are like specific types of ad managers. And some ad managers do have their own strengths. So for example, what we are noticing, some ad managers are better at stabilizing positions, dealing under stress, etc. Some of them are better to deal with complex clients. Another ones are better for situations that require high growth, extensive testing, etc. So one of the more interesting learnings last year was actually, you know, synchronizing these people. Uh, this means you, first of all, try to understand the goals the client is having does he want to grow sustainably or does he want, you know, just to put like his foot of a gas pedal and literally do what one of our client did, you know, going from 0.5 mil to 26 mil in one year. And it does require two completely different senior managers to handle these positions. So yeah, we have noticed some discrepancies and problems if we are like not matched. So this is kind of like one of the core things that we are like focusing in the second half of the year. Yeah, I guess if we move on a little bit about just a few more highlights about the last year, I think in general what we have discovered and focus, and we'll talk more about upcoming year as well on a similar topic and note. If we talk about improvements in our internal operations and you know SOPs, remember at the very beginning, like we had the people, but I think a huge highlight would be that we consciously always worked on internal operations. So even our internal team, we're building those SOPs. So it's not that me or Darius, we are doing that, but we had, you know, some sprints with a team that within like a few weeks, everyone have a task to create a client onboarding part, which they usually take. Either it is like Facebook, is it creatives, conversion rate optimization, or like any other channel. But those I think really helped to onboard our people faster to have less flaws, to focus on the efficiency and the quality for sure. Yeah, and I think like SOPs in general, you know, concerning like performance department, I'm super proud of it. Like, but concerns like Facebook ads, honestly, we have like, what about like 35 pages, like Facebook ad buying SOP with all the detailed decision trees, you know? So even if you get like a junior person to assist the senior, et cetera, he literally can read through this 35 pages and execute the strategies to at least like, you know, 80% level, you know, what the senior is, at least from like media buying side. Another few things that he developed and this is kind of the trend that I've noticed last year. Honestly, there's about like 20% of creatives, 20% of scripts, and 20% of effort that you're doing that's bringing like 80%, sometimes even 95% of results. So what we started to do is identify these scripts, identify these sales angles, etc., and start 
multiplication of them across different accounts. So for example, you know, we are seeing certain video formula work over and over again in one account. We take it over to another account and another type of business. And once we validate it across multiple accounts, suddenly we have like a formula that's, you know, it's proven to work time and time over again. And what happens then is, you know, you create a database of these ones. And you do not need a lot of them. Honestly, like 10, 15 is enough. But they are absolutely killers because whenever you set up it for a new client or existing client, they just work. And that's the amazing part. You're doing less work, but getting better results in the end. What do you think? Should we move on more specifically with a specific learnings or so on a performance in the business? Or there's like uh, any other highlights that you would like to mention from the last year in general? Yeah, another maybe important thing, you know, this is kind of like was, <laughs> I know you like super detailed planning. I'm always more of like creative person that just pushes ideas, executes them, etc. But last year was quite interesting because we were testing a lot of like planning systems for clients and honestly, we developed like super detailed planning system. I mean, going to small details, you know, how much client will be spending for their finance management, warehouses, etc. And being able to project the profits after all the expenses and different returns and different channels. But what we noticed that afterwards, it was a little bit overkill. Often, you know, what happens is, but it's very hard to predict e-commerce growth. So we needed to take a step back, right, and just simplify the process. And I think right now we are actually in a really good spot where, first of all, we are able to identify the most profitable levels of ad spend X scale for a client to be running at, taking into account all the fixed costs, etc. But at the same time, we are able to do some reasonable planning, right? This means, you know, set up like real goals and set up like key objectives that needs to be done to lead to that goal. The only thing that I say we didn't change is just simplify this whole process to the bare bones. And I guess this is just kind of relating to the SOPs, focusing on 20%, that's once again, bringing like 80% of results here. So yeah, that's, I think, another important thing. Yeah, that's kind of a learning of the last year. If we would remember even we had to some extent this type of tracker and calculator from the very beginning. If we remember a particular story that we would share with one of the, let's say, of why we actually focused even more on that and how it was beneficial. So there was a client who was from US focused on uh, sportswear and they were always focused. So we knew everything, you know, fixed costs, Airball, fees and so on. Pretty much at the end of the month, the client was saying their profit and loss calculations just to double check everything with us. They were really trusting us and we had a very good relationship with them. One of the things that I see a lot clients have and how we try to overcome this, and I think this calculation now serves us really well, uh, both with the team and with the client. That's not necessarily only related with the client, but advertisers as well have their own you know, understanding and perspective of how the thing should happen. So if we look back to that situation, a client had a particular idea what type of return ad spend there should be on Facebook ads manager. And they always were focused on that specific number. And I often hear that and I actually try to figure out how each client during the sales call actually thinks about it. But generally they focus on that one particular ROAS. But the biggest thing was we needed actually to grow them and to be at a way higher level so they would be profitable enough. And they never did their own calculations and they never knew how to make it better. So we took an extra mile and then 
calculated everything and showed if you are, let's see, at 100K per month, you know, your fixed fees looks like that, your returns like that, your other variable costs, let's see, fulfillment, payment provider fees and so on looks like that. Uh, so let's say you're not really making profit at any point. No matter how hard we can try, we tested a lot of different things. But if you are, let's say, you're doing 130 or 150k a month, you are already profitable, and ROAS can drop down because it is about the numbers. It is not always that much about the ROAS, just because they have this specific number because they are looking from the current perspective. But they don't really know, even theoretically, how they will look if they will grow two times. Because most of the time, fixed fees don't really increase that much. Even though you grow a few times, usually variable fees just stay the same. But generally, then you kind of make more money, so the cash flow is bigger. And yeah, by those just showing this, it changed a lot of understandings and like different perspective of how the business can grow. So it's good on both sides, just acquiring more customers. Their LTV was, I think, three or four X from their like average order value. So we started spending more, but the clients started getting more, you know, profitable acquiring new customers and so on. And that was mainly because of this calculator in general as such. Yeah, I think we were like able to grow like 2x, 3x just hostly to this like Excel sheet alone. And you know, it's fun that suddenly you are doing like media buying, right? But all these calculations and something that you just do literally in Excel sheet, right, can have such a profound impact on business in general. And this is why, you know, we were like developing it, but we took like one step further, you know, and I think we overdid it at one point and then we had to take it back. But I think honestly, it's kind of almost like a part of the process, right? You just have to take it to 100% and figure out what's working and identify what's working, just focus on that. So I think it's kind of a process and in general, the theme that I've seen last year, and I guess we'll be talking a little bit more about it later. So yeah. So what's next? What other challenges then we we had last year? If we look back to like different businesses and so on, what could be the learnings? Yeah. So one of the kind of crazy basic learnings is basically when you're having a business manager, right? Do you have few admins added to the business manager? Whatever that's your spouse, your mother, father, somebody, right? Because what happened to some of our clients, we actually got their main Facebook account banned. And I mean, Facebook account as in their own personal account. Thankfully, I managed to solve it, right? But honestly, I was relatively lucky because the situation is we do have like premium support from Facebook. So I was able to approach it and solve it. But in majority of the cases, typical person and what I read on the forums where people face the same issues, we never really recover it. And it's, you know, crazy to be spending like sometimes millions a year, right? And not even be able to have your own personal account. And the problem that happens is if your ad account gets banned, then you can't even appeal because only the admin can appeal it. So this is the downside, right? And usually if it's like ad account that gets banned, you just appeal it. You know, it's in majority of cases, 24 to 48 hours, you just recover it. So it's not a big deal. But in general, like personal account and having few admins, it's super important. Yeah, it goes same with in general, the ad account just, I guess, have the second one. At least, you know, not necessarily need to spend money on both of the accounts at the same numbers or so. But I don't know why it was, you know, last year. Previously, we didn't have much of issues with account bans or whatever, just because the clients are proper brands and established brands. It's not like a dropshippers or like some fake type of businesses. But still, I don't know, it was because of pandemic, because of the elections or so. 
some businesses had quite a lot of difficulties, just their account gets banned. So it's not about the ban in general, but you know, the whole operations and ads stop. So pretty much you need to relaunch it and warm it up again. So pretty much the whole work that maybe you've done for weeks or so vanish. So you don't really want to have anything similar because it's it's just not profitable, but at the same time, it will take time actually to get back to the same level after it it gets, you know, unbanned, even though it is, you know, a day or two days later, but still it's a challenge. Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually relatively happy about right now we found a way, you know, to land these Facebook officially managed accounts. So we have some advantage for our clients. It's basically accounts where like Facebook is assigning high level of rep right off the gate. And honestly, these reps can do amazing things, but like way more than you can get, you know, with like a typical Facebook assigned, if you already create account through yourself, right? You can get to rep, but it's usually low level rep. Through here, you just get immediately assigned high level of rep that can whitelist products, we can whitelist accounts, we can get things unbanned and, you know, taken care of really quickly. Quickly. So I think it's really good thing, you know, that we discovered we are in general. So yeah, and I think now I guess we can go a little bit more into the business side, right? And talk about, you know, what kind of learnings we had here. Yeah. So I guess maybe I'll start with a few things. What we're doing this year a little differently, what we're kind of the learnings of the last year. So let's say if we look back to 2020 January when we had the whole planning with the team and how we approached it and so on. We had like the uh, consultant leading the, the whole you know planning. We had the objectives, the goals, themes, and so on. Over a year and how we are doing uh, some things differently, we weren't far away from the goals that we had. People were okay with that. However, you always, if you have a goal or objective, you want to make it as close to the people who are working in the team as possible. So the work, the things that they do daily, weekly, monthly, it would be somehow and closely related with the general department or agency, your business in general objectives. So things should be as practical as possible. Therefore, it's not far away. Like we have checked Traction Book, which talks about rocks and sub rocks. It's the same as just having objectives with subtasks or so just to get there, like with steps going towards it. However, we decided just to, it's nothing that would be very different. But this time we are switching to OKRs, objectives and key results. It's uh, nothing new in the market, but generally we have seen that and we got a feedback from our team that we need to see those things more frequently to review it, see the progress and so on. And OKRs are specifically focused on that in general. We are now just focusing on how to put it in our project management system just to make it as visual as possible as well, which I think it is as well uh, very important. But yeah, that would be a huge learning because once you get further from the processes, you want to make sure that the people definitely know how they connect you know, with your objectives. And sometimes you know, a revenue objective doesn't really mean much if, if a person is, is a project manager or a creative person or so. It's harder for them actually to really relate to that. And it's bad. It's bad just because the kind of a North Star and the focus isn't that clear for that person. Yeah, and it's kind of important you mentioned like North Stars already, right? But the trick is, you know, with OKRs, etc., that 
hey, you have like revenue goal, right? And, you know, it might be like a few mil, et cetera. But when you kind of split it, what goes into this goal, right? So one, you might need more sale. Two, you might need to improve, let's say, what you're making, you know, for current clients or something. And then, you know, you take these key results, for example, improving what you're making through client, right? And then you can go even more granular and assign these things to us, let's say even specific like project manager or like creative manager, etc. Because, hey, maybe creatives, we need to find like X amount of winning creatives a month or something. And then he has a clear goal and he's responsible for that goal. And then you have this North Star or where needs to go and you hire the right fit in the team culture, you know, that kind of usually matches, you know, high performance environments, they are able to try to figure out their own path towards that goal. And you do not need to micromanage because everything is aligned. So yeah, this was kind of like big revelation. And I think, you know, like last year and what we achieved with performance team and how we were able to honestly run things like practically without my intervention and get amazing results, reach breakthroughs, etc., is also synchronization of this plus having good SOPs plus having right team culture. It's kind of like, you know, everything started to stack up and honestly, I'm just amazed. I guess another thing which we adapted last year, and I think it served us really well. So there is a, a lot of things that especially performance team like advertisers, creative people, or generally driving the, the whole improvements and results for a client there's like one part of like I guess a lot of agencies and businesses are mostly focused on that and it's fine we do the same but there's a, a lot of things that happens in the actual in our agency and we need support from our members as well just because they are the professionals they know the best how and what should happen instead of we commanding everything or so so, you know, those we talked a little bit about those SOPs or so, and that the team was highly involved and they were developing those. Again, how to organize it. So, what we tried to do, which is coming actually more from the IT world apps and so on, we decided to acquire and do the sprints inside of the agency, two week sprints where it's very clear and some hours are dedicated to activities which are beneficial for the agency or for the work that, let's say, uh, people need to do. It's always been in the backlog that it would be nice to do it or so. What we do, we usually kind of rate it, like with I-score, impact, confidence, and ease, and then decide how much time usually it will take. But I think it's been a really beneficial, we were able to do a lot of things, as uh, I don't think that we would be able to do it without springes because everyone are somehow involved. So there would be a lot of management and project management. And those sprints, I would say, served us really well. Yeah, personally, honestly, I loved it. I'm still using it in some of the activities that I'm running and the projects that I'm leading with an agency. And I feel it's just really easy to align the team, you know, and know the expectations and know the deadlines, et cetera, at the same time. But maybe like this is kind of more towards failure side, but at the same time learning. What I noticed to the end of the year, right, kind of we stopped doing like full team sprints. And what started to happen is that, you know, every department started to work a little bit on themselves. This means, you know, performance versus the backend. And what I would say in general, verbalization here came that me and Justin is just wearing too many hats at the same time. Because agency was growing, processes became more and more complex. 
it's good that you managed to develop front-end really well, right? But the back-end and the support, for example, a person to lead these sprints and manage everything, you know, became, I think, a high need, right? And this is where we will be focusing, like, next year is, in general, more towards, you know, developing the back-end because the front-end is so strong, right? It needs the back-end to support it to reach kind of this really self-sustainable agency, yeah, I would agree with that. And moving on to the next point, which I guess we have discovered quite a bit. And this is one of the focuses that we have projected and we are putting more and more efforts. It is creative's importance. For instance, at some point we lost the person who was mainly responsible, was kind of our creative manager. Uh, that person decided to move to another place and we had some processes already developed. However, we felt that, well, it's fine, we'll figure this out. Advertisers took over to some extent that process and developed some things on top. However, now we have another person who is uh, way more experienced, actually. And the process is, I guess, is getting even better. But just understanding and seeing the importance to strengthen, in general, the whole process between how advertisers and creative people work together is that advertisers are mostly focused on the advertising, greeting data, and so on. So usually they know what's working, what's not. But how to transfer that knowledge and information to the creative team so they would know what's working and what to avoid. At the same time, how the creative ordering should happen, how to make it efficient and sustainable. Some clients need a little bit more time, others less. How to control it. Everything from the efficiency of ordering and communication to decision-making between client and agency. It's definitely... We have seen the importance of that and our goal is it was fine, but we see that it's very important for us as an agency, but as well for e-commerce businesses to scale. So having very strong creatives is definitely a thing. Yeah, and honestly, I'm like really happy with the hire we had where she is like really strong at your field. And what I like about, you know, like the newer hires that you are doing, of course, we are not always successful, but in general, we are looking people that are different from us, right? This means often what I'm seeing is business owners are often looking for people, you know, in same age gap, same experience, etc. as they are. And here we are starting to look at more highly experienced people that honestly have so much more experience in the field than us and then allowing them to lead these fields. So I think that is kind of like a big change we had over the last year and something that we maybe consciously or unconsciously understood. I guess another point that I wanted to mention, just looking at my notes, as a message to the e-commerce owners as well, and we had this internal discussion I do understand sometimes why the clients do it in that way, but sometimes they don't really think of what happens afterwards. So what I'm talking about is that we are doing creatives, so pretty much from the whole concept to the actual implementation and running the ads. And what often happens, and we try to avoid it as much as possible, but what I have noticed quite a bit last year there where a few clients were coming in or which decided to start monitoring what we're running. What are, you know, the, the colors, how it is formulated, the, the copy and so on. And quite often it is very subjective of what they say because we have usually the brand books of the client. So we know the color palette, we know the type forms, type fonts, main highlights that we should focus on, USPs and so on. However, clients still are very demanding kind of once we 
started sharing some videos or like images, each person started commenting from their own perspective, meaning that whether they prefer it or not really. But that doesn't really mean that it will bring better results. What does it mean that if they comment, if they just don't like one word or like a particular part, I don't know, some kind of corner in that specific visual, or let's see, a person which was selected for like the image, what it means, okay, we got the feedback, then we push the whole creative to, let's say, our graphic designer or video editor, they have to open it, change it, render it again, send it to creative manager, and creative manager sends it again to the client, and then once it's approved, it actually goes to advertisers to run for the ads. Meaning, most likely that will add up extra three to four days, and at the end of a month, they are maybe clients are not really happy with the results or so, but the whole process gets so long and so inefficient that what we actually started doing with some clients, I know some of the advertisers are doing this right now, they started running our own creatives against what clients actually preferred. So what we want to do at the end of the day is actually just showcase that, you know, from the results perspective, how our you know, objective opinion with reading the data and so on, testing it versus client subjective, you know, opinion looks like. So it's just, I think, very important message to the e-commerce owners, just still focus on the performance, have, you know, the brand books and so on, just to meet the necessary parts for your business and how it looks visually. But other than that, it's it can be very challenging if you will start commenting on everything. <laughs> Yeah, and I know like, you know, branding in general is important, right? But you just have to strike right balance between branding and performance. And honestly, you know, we had some cases where there's like, for example, five people that are involved in the creative process from the client side. So let's say creative director, branding director, CMO, the owner, right? And then you kind of like send like the one of the some sort of creative, like one person or two people comment on it. When you fix that up, then, you know, somebody else comments it. And we had cases where the same creative was going back and forth four or five times, right? And Kind of this usually and uh, what I'm seeing, like it leads to decrease in performance almost always. So it also like comes into a place where you just have to have like clear mood boards and brand books in general for us and like, you know, your team maybe to understand your core messages, values and how it should be presented, communicated. But then you need to trust in people that are doing their work. And this is kind of what we are doing where we have the same, you know, like creative manager that we hired. Yeah. If we move on a little bit of what we have seen, and I was talking with the other consultant a few weeks back and we were talking, you know, about last year, about growth and some of the learnings and so on. And she was mentioning that she often she they are consulting different like you know startups and businesses and they grow and they help from the very beginning, even later on when even there are some of the clients have two or three hundred employees and they started helping them from the very beginning. And she said that generally it's good that we noticed that early on. But what often happens, especially let's say if you're an e-commerce owner and your e-commerce grows really fast, it's great, you know, that the whole performance and cash flow is coming in. But you shouldn't neglect the back-end operations. And this is something that we are aware. Business to business is so different for us as an agency, but generally a huge learning and as well the focus, even bigger focus for this year is to put more efforts will be back in operations. So how the whole business is operating and how it will operate for upcoming years. So projecting it and start implementing things 
before the actual issues or problems will arise. So hiring more people, you know, to support uh, agencies, sales, marketing, as well, some virtual assistants, people for hiring for finances and legalities. So just to make self-sustainable business, that's one of the goals. But the other thing is that people wouldn't be disappointed because that's part of the thing. Because if things will start falling in the agency, our team will get unsatisfied and so on, and then they will be demotivated. And then most likely the client results will suffer as well. So it's tightly related. Yeah, and talking in general about deep satisfaction, team culture, etc. Like one of the more interesting things we are doing is we are treating our, I would say, team almost as a client. And you know how you are kind of, if you're an agency, you usually send these evaluation forms to clients, you know, every month or every quarter, etc. We do the same thing for our team. And we ask them to leave like completely honest opinion about how we are satisfied with certain things, you know, what we would like to see more, etc. And over the last year, at one point, you know, what Justin mentioned, you know, this is how we were able to catch on the pulse when people were actually not maybe as happy because we didn't have these team retreats due to COVID and we weren't able to meet and kind of like started to lose connection. So we were able to catch that and actually, you know, recover that through implementation of Friday game nights and just having more fun via online means in general. So I think it's another some important thing, you know, that could be implemented in pretty much like any business, whatever that's e-commerce agency or some sort of other type of business. Yeah, and I guess another thing is we talked a bit about hiring and so on, but what we have discovered while working with different consultants and ourselves during last year, one of the values that we have is next level team experience, which we talked a little bit as well, having a team of A players. And that's mentioned as well in our mission and vision, but as well, one of the values, it is like that. Apart from how we work within the agency, there's a huge importance what we have seen, you know, strengthening our hiring process in general. So making it more automated, stronger as well, it gets stronger with the experience. But what we now started doing, and it's like a huge recommendation that I would give and several of other consultants gave us the, the same recommendation, is having an ongoing recruitment process. So instead of, you know, once you understand that you need, let's say, a finance person in your team, you need it already yesterday. It's not a good thing. You want to hire this person SAP. However, you don't really want to hire anyone like a random person where you just pick from the first candidates that you will get because you want to have a good person. Otherwise, it's not really worth it. Therefore, we started doing ongoing recruitment process. So we have multiple open positions. So we start with a form. Then they do a practical task. And then, you know, if we need that at that moment, a person, then we'll do interviews and we'll hire. If we don't need a person right now, maybe we will need him in a month or two. We still jump on a call and do the culture fit call as well. And then just explain that this is where we at right now. Is it something that you are looking, you're looking for a new position you know, as soon as possible, or something that you got interested in our agency, and it's fine for you if we would, you know, you would be in a in a highest priority list once the position will open, you will be the first person that we will contact or so. Yeah, it helps just to, to get better people and just uh, start building the database as you would do with the sales. That would be the same thing that you would be doing with uh, hiring new people for your team. 
And in general, I guess, like last year and talking about hiring was, uh, I think we learned like a lot of things. So we made some mistakes, you know, but I really like, you know, that whenever we, let's say, hire a new person and maybe he's like not a perfect fit or maybe, you know, even if we were having like these questionnaires and practical tasks and relatively growing process, you know, why to select the right person, sometimes you're just not right. And what I really liked that we kind of managed to instill this quality in our team where everybody is spotting out, you know, and just taking a look at, you know, how other people are performing, right? And not to approach it in a bad way that, hey, you're not doing your work or something, but in general, you know, being aware enough and spotting that, hey, he might not be a perfect fit for team culture, being maybe dissatisfied by other people who are not working and not fitting to A-level culture. And this is kind of what I'm really proud. And this is kind of another learning point that we are having actually right now is that I think we need to add up, and this is, could be a good lesson to our e-commerce business owners, maybe even agency owners, that you need to add up like the role leaders, right? So for example, let's say you're hiring performance department, you need the performance department people to evaluate the person that you're hiring into the performance department, not just HR person or, you know, like CEO, et cetera. Because often these people do know much more about like specific nuances. They can ask more in-depth questions and they can just, you know, estimate and feel if the culture is right fit for the agency or business. Maybe, you know, adding up like one, another kind of interesting learning point <laughs> is just having too many projects on once. So like last year, honestly, we grew quite a lot, right? And revenue grew 4X, like Tima grew 2X, which is how it should be because technically, you know, you do not want to have too many people of an agency because then the culture suffers and you do not want to have too quick growth because both things affect stuff. But where we certainly lacked is hiring some more people in the back office. And this is why we just had, you know, me and Justin had like a lot of different stuff. And at the same time, you know, honestly, I do sometimes have this kind of like shiny object syndrome where, you know, I'm spotting something cool. I just want to do it. So this year and the end of last year, I really rethought everything that I did last year identified certain like key elements and just decided this year to take a completely different approach and focus not on doing like five, eight, ten things at once, right? But just focus on one or two things and give them like 80% of my attention and energy, etc. And focus on them for like a quarter or two and, you know, make sure that you're really working. And first of all, spend enough time making the decision and evaluating pluses, minuses, because what I'm feeling that as a business grows, right, you have less space to make mistakes. When you're small, whatever, right, you spend like a week or two, you know, pursuing something wrong. But when you're a bigger one, suddenly it's not you that are pursuing the goals, but it's like your whole team was pursuing the same goal, right? So you need to spend much more time aligning everything and making sure it's the right strategy. And even like this podcast, to be honest, actually came from this. I evaluated what I like to do last year and how we should be approaching like agency positioning, marketing, and in general, you know, how we should be giving more value to the audience. And this is what came out of it. And this is why we're focusing on podcasts for the next, right now, actually five months, right? So like two quarters, but basically it's one of the top priorities for sure for this period. After that, I will just evaluate how it did, right? And this period, I basically will put everything I can to make it work. And afterwards, I will evaluate, see what are the results and, you know, decide whatever I want to continue with it or just do something else. So... What would be the theme or like a few words, how you would name 2020 in general? 
house in general <laughs> because like due to COVID, due to our own growth, some of our clients exploding, some of our clients actually, you know, burning for businesses down to the ground and it, it was all over the place. But I think it, and I personally a huge believer in grow through fire, right? Because whenever you go through the tough periods, you become much more resilient and strong in this aspect. So while the year was tough, I think we did come out much stronger as a people and as a team, etc. coming into 2021. Even right now, like iOS 14, right? Everybody's so scared about it. And yeah, it's causing some problems. But at the same time, you know, I am assured that we'll find a way and we'll be one of the first ones to find a way, you know, and get huge advantage here. So basically looking for opportunities when everybody's scared. And I think it's part because we went through so many different challenges in general. Yeah, I think yesterday I had a call. No, on Tuesday I had a call, uh, a sales call, how I would name it. Like I would name it under one type of animal's name. I would say it would be like a year of like a honey badger or so. It's kind of a, became a thing once one person brought a honey badger to one of the calls. If anyone don't know what's the honey badger, just type it in YouTube and just check the first video, which has like a millions of views. It's a really funny one. So it's kind of a talisman, I would say maybe, of ours. But the funny thing was that the guy... He is uh, from Belgium. He is a serial entrepreneur and they have a holding company, which is called Honey Badger Ventures or Honey Badger Holding Company. And they have the actual video on the website. And we were just making a fun of it just because the thing that you just mentioned is just growing through fire or so. Literally in that video, how Honey Badgers, you know, survives the you know, snake bites and so on going against tigers and other big animals. It's something similar as that could be, you know, as a theme for, for the last <laughs> year, just surviving through everything what's kind of been pushed from the whole economy and so on. Yeah, it's, it's fun in general that it became our talisman almost, you know. And once again, guys, this happened through these like Friday connection calls when like one person mentioned it, when we we're like playing quizzes, etc. Like we just dropped it in some place and said, you know, it kind of caught fire. We're so <laughs> and I think it really does. You can call it one of the baddest animals, badass animals out here. So yeah. So I guess then that's pretty much it. Yep, we are done here. So guys, thank you for listening and have an amazing day. Enjoying this podcast? Consider subscribing and sharing it with your friends. This helps us to grow and create more amazing content like this for you.